Welcome to the Rogue Tailboard Podcast, where firemen are fired up and minimal is unacceptable. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode. It is January 19th, and it has been quite the week. Here in our neck of the woods, we just got done with a pretty ridiculous and insane ice storm that hit about Sunday through Tuesday. The week before that, got deployed for a standby for some potential tornadic activity in the eastern Texas region with the teams. It was great to see the guys again to brush up on just different responsibilities within the teams and got to sleep on the floor of a warehouse. <laughs> That's just part of the the deployment teams though. If you if you know, you know. So it's always nice to get that little piece of humble pie, bring it back down to earth. That even your servants on a high caliber and on an elite level will sleep on a warehouse floor just to go do the work that others don't want to do or can't do. Got home from that and then went into work early on Sunday because they were projecting the snow and the sleet to be pretty bad Sunday night into Monday and Tuesday, and it definitely did. I was thankful for that. However, me showing up early to the house, they put me to work, and I'm okay with that. Because I was just going to go on my own time and be there in preparation. And it ended up playing out to the good. Got some overtime out of it as well. But from about 2.30 Sunday till about shift change Wednesday morning, we just stayed on the interstate. It was nonstop. Jackknife semi-trucks, rolled over vehicles. All kinds of slip and slide and wrecks. And it was a it was a feat, it was a challenge. And there was a lot of a lot of patience through it all, a lot of prayer. I was a stepped up driver and there's several, several moments where it just felt unnormal to drive ten to fifteen miles an hour to respond to a call because it just seems like snail speed. But too much application to the brakes and you're fishtailing and sliding and I've got three other guys with me and a crap ton of weight on that rig to try and control and maneuver so it was a it was a good it was a good growing moment throughout that but it also showed the preparation of why we do what we do and it wasn't necessarily physically taxing a lot of it was just traffic control. A lot of it was standing by, ensuring no one was hurt. A couple times we had to pull out the extrication tools. But other than that, it was more mentally and fatiguing than anything. And I was grateful that I was prepared for such occasions. It goes back to the state of preparation. You know, and how many times... Will we face those type of call volumes on tour on a constant basis where 
accumulatively, I think we got maybe six hours of sleep, maybe. So it was a uh, definitely one for the books, but knowing that that was not foreign territory because you've been there before, it gives you that confidence. And that's also another great thing that happens with a lot of those programs or a couple of select programs out there that bring you to those points. And it shows the mere existence of why they are there. And I do think it's paramount that we see more of that in the fire service on a training level in a controlled environment before your number's called all tour. So, uh, much respect to those programs that are implementing that to the service. That's been my week. Hopefully y'all's week has been pretty well. Hope you had some good. And uh, we are now getting into the fifth chapter of James. I know this was a little, little unscripted to want to go through a, a Bible study series per se, but it was laid on my heart, and I hope that you guys have gained some good stuff from it as well, a good perspective, and see how it parallels with your personal life as you're listening, but uh, this is definitely the, the final chapter of James, chapter 5, and it's it's got a lot of meat in it as well, and um, uh, I'm excited to go into it with you guys. As we conclude this, so chapter five, the first section is titled warning to rich oppressors. Now listen, you rich people weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you. And eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you fail to pay, the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. And we'll pause there and we'll reflect on those first few verses. But more or less, it's talking about those that are in the power of position. <laughs> Excuse me, I've been battling stuff in my throat. It's cold weather, it's been no bueno. But getting back on track, it's these individuals that are put, you know, common days, this would be like your business owners of high caliber or this would be overseers of any kind, yet they do not treat the ones who've committed their lives to working for them, whether they chose to or just saw the job posting and, and needed a job because they didn't have one. And they go to work, they're given the opportunity, and not long into the operations, they see that the upper management, the owners just care more about themselves than they do the people. And so they don't treat the people right at all. And finally, the workers are like, enough is enough. You know, they they see the things. 
And then all of a sudden the pace stops or the provision stops, yet the accumulation of materialistic possessions on the other end is getting broadened. God sees that. And so if you were ever in a position of that, maybe God delivered you from there and sent you to a better place of employment. Or if you were that business owner at one point and you were not properly being good stewards of operations underneath you, God will humble you if he hasn't. He says so here that he will do that. Some of us may wonder why we have to give up our pursuit of pleasure. We see people living for wealth and pleasure who seem to be happier than we are. Here James reminds us that a selfish lifestyle inevitably leads to painful consequences. Some of us already have experienced the pain and emptiness brought on by the selfish pursuit of pleasure. A selfish lifestyle never yields lasting joy and peace. It always leads to one kind of bondage or another. When we make God's will our own and follow His path, we will experience freedom and become a blessing to the people around us. Again, that's just a great depiction James reminds us of of just submitting to God's will and it not being about you. There's a lot of individuals I can think of off the top of my head that will put anyone else before them and their needs. And here in the fire service, you hear that buzzword leadership. Of course, we all want that. We all unanimously want that kind of leader that puts their people above their own. Yet when you're put in that leader position, leadership position, are you doing that? Or are you just happy that you're finally there so you're going to have a little fun with it? You're going to flex your power some. You're going to try and make your name, make your stamp on it. Or do you not forget the uh, the golden lesson here of keeping them above you and you just happen to be one of the most humble servants on that that servantship line level that you were blessed with the responsibility to now keep that same mentality and oversee maybe a crew or maybe a shift or maybe a battalion. And have you forgotten your ways? Or are you going to stay the course and continue to selflessly serve while ensuring that you're setting that prime example for others below you to follow? Going back to the word here. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who is not opposing you. Again, that's just going back on putting yourself first, your wants, your needs, living the high life, and just pretty much crapping on everyone underneath you. Um, that is not what is intended to be used in that position of leadership or authority. You know, I've been saying this for a long time to myself too. The second I make it about myself, I realize that everything will just disappear. It will just be taken from me. Going back to what it said here too, when it said that your wealth has rotted and moss have eaten your clothes, that's the exact consequence of making it all about yourself 
So let's learn from this and keep this in the forefront of our minds and not fall into those patterns. The second section that starts off with verse 7 is titled Patience and Suffering. This is something, again, that the fire service loves to talk about. Suffering, suffering, suffering. And not in a sadistic way like, man, there's just no peace or joy. But those of us that have truly sought physical suffering, because we know with that we are being forged into stronger and more composed and more disciplined individuals, we, we love just the topic of suffering. Now, there's a vast difference between, you know, a third world country suffering from, you know, famine and poverty. That's a whole different kind of suffering. So let's just read into it and see what, see what we got here. Verse 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Pause. That teaching is reverted back to quite a bit. You know, the, the not quarreling with your brothers and sisters, the not picking fights, the not entertaining the, the fools and follies, and not judging one another. And again, if we remember that when you are a believer and you ask, excuse me, you've asked the Holy Spirit to dwell with inside of you and to submit to God's will, His presence is always there. He does send angels to guard us. It's biblically proven. The Holy Spirit accompanies us in all that we do. And it's not to feel weird like, man, there's I'm always being watched by, you know, spiritual beings I can't see. But that should give you great confidence. That one, that you're never alone. And two, that these heavenly spirits that are with you at all times are protecting you from demonic spirits that you cannot see. There's always spiritual battles going on around you. We're just oblivious to it. We just, we cannot see that. We're just, we're not there yet, but it's happening. And so just remember that, that everything that you do is always under the eyes of God and his heavenly host of angels. And to be honest with you, when I remind myself of that, it makes me more disciplined and more composed to not really act out of line or get caught up in the moment and get emotional, which don't get me wrong, it still happens more so than I care to admit. But at the same time, that little emotional vomit or that that roar of laughter and banter in a not so pleasing way of, you know, friendly topics. It's like, well crap, I just did that in front of God. You know, maybe I maybe I should check myself. Maybe I should apologize. Maybe I shouldn't do that next time. So even though we have surrendered our lives to God, there will be times and circumstances that test our patience. 
We must never forget that there will come a day when we will no longer have to wait for Christ to return, for he will have arrived. In the meantime, we are to bear our suffering patiently and be patient with each other too. That's the big part there. Be patient with each other too. Y'all, you're living in the same times I'm living, just probably different parts of the country. And, you know, if we have anyone listening outside of America, wherever you reside as well. But post-COVID, I believe, has really changed society for the worst. And I think slowly we're trying to rebuild that humanitarian connection that we once had. You know, the, the 9-12 of 2001 of just unity there. It's so quick to just be cutthroat over any little disagreements. And yes, social media has given the platform to where everyone can have a voice. But if we're being honest with each other, not all the voices are really worth hearing. And the negative voices, they want to drown out the positive voices as much as possible. Because it's just proven that misery loves company. And the more that they can rally up on that, the more it becomes difficult for the positivity to really shine through. It becomes a minority. And so even as one that seeks peace and tries to not have any kind of conflictions with anyone else, your patience will be tested that much more. But here, we're being told... To have the discipline to continue to be patient with each other as we suffer patiently in these moments. So verse 10. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And let us not forget that. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. And that's simply put, you know, Swearing to God, or I put this on God, or I put this on my mom. You know, that's biblically, it tells us that we're, we will be condemned for swearing on such a holy thing. You know, of course, if you ever manage, yes or no, sir. But you know, James is simply telling us through the Holy Spirit here that when you respond, all you need to simply say is yes or no. And that'll go a long way. Let's see here. Chapter 5 finishes off in the section of the prayer of faith. And this one's huge. Currently in a study with a few other brothers from around America. We meet weekly. Love them to death. They have been beyond a critical part in my spiritual growth My accountability as a human, as a dad, as a husband, as a brother, and then lastly as a fireman. 
and we um we've gone through a lot together. We've confided in one another, and it shows the importance of having that small, intimate group to live life with. Well, I say that to say that we're in a, a series right now, and this this week's topic of discussion that we're going to study over is devotion to God, and it talks heavily about prayer. So after this, uh, after this finishing segment, I'll cover that with y'all because it's actually extremely intriguing. There's a lot of meat that goes into it that really makes you reprioritize and have the true importance of what prayer really is in your life and how powerful it truly is. So chapter 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. Pause. So just think about that right there. God's word tells us, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. So when you actually pray for someone and you sincerely pray and you genuinely pray for their well-being, God hears those. And if it's in his will, he will honor it. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You know, we, we've got to make sure that we're always squared away in, in the eyes of the Lord. And we are human. We're always going to sin. We're always going to have impure thoughts. We're going to be exposed to things when we leave the comfort of our home. And your flesh will want to take over. And you've got to remember who you are. And be composed in those situations. And when you do sin, you repent. It should grieve you. If you slip up and say a bad word or you you crave something that someone else has out of jealousy or you get angered because you're comparing yourself to someone else and you feel like they've got it all and you've got nothing, you know, that's, that's not being right with the Lord. That's not being righteous. And before you say those prayers of good intent for someone else's sake, you must square away yourself with God and forgive your sins and ask Him to search your heart for any unspoken sins that you may be unaware of, but He knows of. And then He will honor your prayers. He says so. Our God is not a lying God. We just got to understand these things. So that way you know how to properly execute and grow in our faith. So the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. 
verse 17. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Since God has the power to heal us spiritually, emotionally, and physically, prayer is one of the most powerful tools available to us. When we pray to God, we display our faith that He can help us. Prayer is an essential part of the process of surrendering our lives to God. As we share our needs with one another and pray for one another, God will display His active presence and power in our lives. Admitting our faults to God and to a trustworthy person is essential to our spiritual growth. When we share our faults with others, we give them the opportunity to uphold us in prayer. James reminds us that confession is an important part of our personal prayer lives. God invites us to admit our faults and failures to Him through prayer. When we and others bring our sins and shortcomings before God, He starts the healing process in our lives. Prayer is never a waste of time. It yields wonderful results. God responds powerfully when we display our faith by sharing our problems with Him. So for those of you that are hesitating on reaching out to God and talking to God, you know that you've, you've messed up or you're just on hard times and you just keep going through it. You keep, you know, in your own mind suffering through it, but you're, you're doing it stubbornly and pridefully and not asking for help. God tells us just right there in James, just one example of, Again, that, that's where he asks you to humble yourselves and come before the Lord. You, know, you have to practice that submission and obedience. And like a good child, you will be rewarded. Just like parenting here on earth with humans. You know, when my kids mess up, I know it. I know they messed up before they came up to me and, and told me that they owned up to their mistakes but it's not on me to constantly point that out to them. They've got to understand that where they've done wrong and understand why it was wrong and the, the consequences that come from that. And then from there, it's on them to ask for forgiveness for that. And it's the same pattern that we do with our, with our God. So with devotion to God, we don't seek better life qualities. We seek Jesus. You know, we have to have communication with God. You know, we're also reminded to let us not become weary of doing good. You know, prayer life, one specific thing the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to do was how to pray. You know, and Jesus showed them. He gives us the, the model of the Lord's Prayer, but it's more than just reciting that. It's it's showing you the breakdowns of you know, glorifying God, 
who he is, you know, and, and thanking him and asking for forgiveness and asking for provision and the contentment that goes with that. You know, prayer is open and honest communication with God. You know, he doesn't want to be impressed. So don't try and impress God by being so articulate that you sound like a Ivy League professor. You know, and you don't want to try and do this to impress others, whether you're at your, the firehouse blessing over a meal or you're at an event and it calls for, you know, someone decides to open up with prayer and they know you're a man of faith. And so they ask you to open up at this, the event in prayer and you feel like you've got to go on and on and on and on. It's not what God wants us to do here. You know, he gives us that example in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, and it goes as so. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they will have received their reward in full. And again, just avoid the meaningless repetition. Thank you for this meal. Bless the hands that nourish us to our body. I mean, you see that there's these, these just coined phrases that we constantly use. And in this Bible study, it's like you, you go to the same gas station every day or every other day when you go to shift for coffee. And say the dude's name is Joe. It's like, Hey, Joe, I appreciate you as a person. Man, you look good today. Give him some words of encouragement. He's like, hey, thank you. Then the next day, you say the exact same thing to him. Hey, Joe, appreciate you, man. I just want to let you know you're looking good today. And the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that, it's going to get annoying, one, to Joe, and two, you've just lost the authenticity of that compliment. Again, it's the same way we should treat our prayer life. Is stop trying to be repetitive. You know, again, that's backed up by Matthew 6, 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So the default prayers, you know, we, we need to stop reciting to God and we need to start just truly talking to God. And the other big thing for the blueprint in prayer is to pray in secret. Matthew 6, 6 covers it. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And that's, it's no pressure. That's no in the sight of everyone else. It's, it's just you and God time. <coughs> Excuse me. Maybe that's your drive into shift. Maybe that's the first thing when you wake up. Sure, your your spouse might be asleep. Same room with them, but are you praying when you wake up? Lord, how great you are for waking me up today. Just showing the thankfulness and presenting that and just talking to God throughout the day on just multiple things. You know, every time I go to a, a major call of any kind, I'm 
I pray that God's with us. He gives us the the means to fulfill his will, to give us the discipline to execute properly. You know, just random things throughout the day. You, The more that you want to seek God, the more that you are inclined to want to talk to God. And we talk to God through prayer. You know, so we, we pray in Jesus' name. You know, John 14, 14 talks to us about that. So let me pull that up. So you guys will understand. Maybe you don't have the copy of God's Word in front of you listening to this. So, John 14, 14. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So, we'll do a little, little preface on that so you understand what that actually means. So Jesus, the way to the Father, this is John 14, verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. <coughs> Excuse me. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So there's the context behind praying in Jesus' name. Yeah, and it doesn't always have to be an end cap to your prayers, too. Like, I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Like, that covers everything. You know, I've been guilty of tacking that on to the end of prayer, but... That's more or less praying in line with Jesus, praying like how Jesus would want to pray and speaking to God from your heart. That's, that is praying in alignment. That is also praying in Jesus' name. So that the Bible study really pointed that out well, so I wanted to share that with you guys who are listening. And I'm going to end on this. There's, there's three prayer practices <coughs> to really help strengthen your, your prayer life. And just try it. Just try making these simple little adjustments when you do pray. And take note of what happens. Because it's it's just intentional. It's intentional time. It's intentional conversation. When you have a relationship with God, 
it's intimate. And so you, you talk to him just like he's your, your best friend or your father. However you view the God who has saved you from the fiery pits of hell for eternity, that's who you're talking to. That's who's with you every day. And he's so grand that he's with all of his children all the time. It's, it's powerful to think about. But going back to the three prayer practices. Number one, pray through each day's plans, strategic and intentional. You'll keep a prayer journal. And then the third one is acts of prayer. And it's an acronym there. The A for acts stands for the adoration of God. So this is how you how you should pray. Is you keep these four concepts in mind while you're praying. And you'll you'll see yourself begin to more intentionally praying and communicating with God versus a scripting or reciting of a uh, through the whim, let's get this prayer over with and eat this good food kind of conversation. So start your prayer off with the adoration of God. Again, like the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. How glory are you? How glorious are you? How, how marvelous you are. How just think of, it's not even, don't ever even consider it butt kissing, but you are paying the dues and the respects to the Most High who has mm-hmm. saved you. And that should, that should do something for you. That should make you adore God. So start off by giving Him adoration. Giving Him the credit that He's due. And the C is for confession. You know, asking for the forgiveness of specific sins. Again, Lord's Prayer. Forgive us of our d- daily sins. You know, Thanksgiving. Thanking God for what He's already done and what He will do. Because you're... You're exercising your faith in things that have yet to come. You know, S stands for supplication. Ask God to supply your needs, to equip you to get through the day, to be more disciplined. And, and if it's intentional, you've got a, a promotional exam or whatever the case is, you know, ask, ask God to give you the peace and comfort and rest on all the preparation you have done up to the point of showtime. And that's, uh, that's how we do it. That's how we intentionally prayed to God. We know how powerful prayer is to the praying man, the, the righteous man. And I think that's something we should start modeling a lot more of. And you'll see the great fruits. It's gotten me through my sobriety. It's gotten me through a lot of situations that was extremely stressful, full of anxiety. I threw my hands up in the air. Just, God, I need you. I know how great you are. I've known what you've done for your children in the past and the present. The Father, I cannot do this without you. And he gives me peace. And guess what? With me relying on him, he delivered me through those times. And he can do that for you too. So guys, I hope uh, y'all appreciated the, the little series in James. It Again, it's one of my favorite books. I know I've said that multiple times throughout the series. Romans is another great one. That's uh, a lot of context in there, but absolutely worth reading. The, just the whole backstory of, of Paul feeling so convicted to go to the Roman Empire 
to spread the gospel in such a, a defiant and confident way. Oh, it's, it's extremely powerful. It speaks to both the Jews, the Gentiles, everyone in the mix, the believers, the unbelievers. It is gold. It is gospel gold in the book of Romans. But I hope that you got something from this. And again, if there's any questions that you have or thoughts over any of this, just feel free to reach out to me and we can talk through it together. Again, it is Friday. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend. And look for God in all that you do.